Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Sink, Swim, or Fly. All right. All right. Welcome to Sink, Swim, or Fly. This is Tyler, <laughs> as you probably know. Uh, we are in Long Island. What is it, Rockville, Rockview? Uh, Rockville Center. Rockville yeah. Center. Uh, the honorable co-host for this weekend, Justin Moyer, is with us. Thank you, dear gentlemen. So the whole idea uh, this weekend was, you know, a few months back, Justin Moyer uh, asked me to hit the road with him for a weekend. Well, I thought about it first, and then I was like, well, let's weigh the pros and cons of this thing out. <laughs> but um, so... <laughs> There's a lot more cons, but I went with it. Somewhere along the line... Uh, Justin, because I've been doing this podcast, and Justin said, why don't we take some of the podcast gear and interview some people along the way? Yeah. I happen to know one person in Long in Long Island, <laughs> and it happens to be, honestly, probably one of the coolest, most interesting people I know, period. Oh, wow. Thanks, Eddie man. Aranda. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, no, but Eddie... We didn't can that in either. We're going to get into all this. Um, <laughs> we're going to get into how I met Eddie... Um, <clears throat> Craigslist. <laughs> Very. That was, uh, <laughs> let's let's not get too far into that. <laughs> but um, so he lives in uh, in Long Island, and uh, we're playing here tonight. What's the place called we're playing? La Tavola. It's an Italian uh, fine dining restaurant. That's weird. And where that's in Sayville, right? It is. Sayville. It's in Sayville. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be fun. And we wanted to. Uh, we're at Eddie's house. This is the uh, the studio for the time being. Um, so what's up, Eddie? You know, it's, uh, not a whole lot. We're living in New York and, uh, recording a podcast, apparently. <laughs> so you, you grew up in Longview Island, or, uh, Long Island, Longview Island. Yeah, Island. actually, I, I grew up pretty close to here. Um, so this is like, we're, we're about, uh, oh, say like six miles, uh, from the South Shore of Long Island, about 40 minutes east of New York City. So I grew up like literally one town away from here. Is, th- is this your childhood home? It's uh, one of them. So we, when, my parents first lived um, about like literally like a mile and a half from here in a different town. So like the thing about the geography of Long Island is that it's so like condensed and, and packed together that – You'll be driving and like a mile down the road within a stretch of maybe two miles, you'll you'll go in like three different towns. So we were like two towns over, but it was only like a mile and a half away. Um, you know, lived there in a town called Lindbrook. And that was from when I was five until uh, high school started. And then <clears throat> then we moved here for high school just because the school district was better. As the other thing is like there's a lot of like variation in uh value like property values around here because there's so many different school districts and there's like a huge spread between like you know one town could have a really poor school district and then like right next door you have like one of the best schools in the country like public schools in the country so this uh rockville center just happened to have like a really good public school system so 
my parents moved us here um, when I started high school. And yeah, it's come full circle, and now I'm back. <laughs> does, does like the since this is the towns are so close and the schools are so close, does that make the school rivalries a little more intense, or does that doesn't seem to affect anything? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of I don't know. I'm thinking back here, and there's definitely strong rivalries between schools and districts here, <coughs> but. One of the things about like living in such a in a place that's like so such a small area with so many people yeah. is that it's almost like you have to you can't like you can't get too into rivalry because like no one would survive if like you, you kind of have to almost learn to like ignore ninety percent of the people around you when you live around here. <laughs> you Dude, know? Well, when I, when we came, I guess I had played I had played in New York City one time before. It was a couple years ago, and it was downtown. And it was kind of an in and out. And then I was right. um, headed up towards Vermont area. But uh, I like I thought I, Long Island was like right by New York. And it right. was just like this one little sp- stretch of beach. I guess you, I didn't. You thought re- it was like. like I um, thought it was like one place. Okay. But like okay. what you guys were just saying, like getting here, it's like. It's a huge. It's it's huge, and there's all these towns within it and all this stuff going on. Oh, yeah. No, like it's... within Long Island, like we were in Sayville. Is that how you say Sayville. Yep. Um, and I thought when we, I put you in the GPS, I was like, oh, he's going to be five minutes away. Yeah. And it was like 45 <laughs> miles. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at a map, it's like, it's a long fucking Island. It's called Long Island and it's <laughs> true to its name. It's it like, really is it's, <laughs> what it is. Like, I, I think it's something like, I might, well, just, I, 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 know, I might so just be a fool. You if know? I, if I think back, uh, to, so we a bunch of years ago, I went out to a wedding in, in Montauk, and mm-hmm. my wife had never been out there before, and, you know, I hadn't been out there since I was a kid. I didn't quite remember how long it was, and I'm like, I don't know if I recall correctly, I think this is like four hours to get out to Montauk from here. <laughs> we took the train, so I don't if you know anything, I don't know if you know anything about the geography of Long Island, but the Long Island Railroad public transit system is like kind of the backbone like that's what enables I see it blasting through like since we've been here yeah yeah they, they, they blast through they blast through they go faster than all the cars on the highway it, you know you're amazed that less people have died from train crashes around here just because of like how many how much train traffic there is but there are like I forget how many but there are several main branches of the Long Island Railroad that go into Penn Station in Midtown Manhattan and they come they come out like they branch out into the island and that's like what the only thing that's really enabled the island to like thrive as a place where people live is that you know I, I would I don't know the exact percentage but a large percentage of people that live out here work in Manhattan and the the railroad enables them to commute every day yeah. so it um, takes you straight down man to takes you yeah I mean that's what I do I work in Midtown in like the garment district and I get on the train every morning, uh, like five minutes away from my house and it takes me right into Midtown, uh, into Penn station. And then it's like, uh, maybe a four block walk from there. So driving, to driving to work would just be not impossible. Yeah, it would. Yeah. It would be ridiculous. Driving is in, well, we, we, we were, like, we were talking insane, you know, down, I mean, alone besides just finding a parking spot. Well, you got, you guys drove out here from, uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, right? Did you make any stops on the way or? I mean, we did, we, we, we did make a gas up. We gas stopped stop. in Queens for Taco King. <laughs> 
Do it. How, how did that Out go? Out of all the stuff that we could do, we're like, let's hit up this chain. Taco King. This seedy was chain. The king. Can we? Of the, of the it was pretty good. That, yeah. 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 Homemade shell. You know, it was homemade food. It was. That's how. That's how long. I mean, there's tons of these little places. Uh, you know, uh, that have great food uh, that yeah. you just run into out here. But everything is real separated with, with traffic and the distance and mm. how long the island is. Um, <laughs> I, I, for some yeah, no, reason... it's like it's like 30 minutes top to bottom, but like four and a half hours point to point, like wow. east to west. Really? It's crazy, yeah. Like okay, my... that, See, I, I mean, that might be obvious info, but somebody that's not from around here or, or has ever... I take that for granted because I grew up around here, but like, you know, when my wife, for instance, who grew up outside Pittsburgh first came to new york it was like you know she she, was she was surprised by a lot of things that uh you got a good your mic let me see let me see something right now check one two all right for some reason i thought i lost signal sorry okay continue yeah yeah uh so like you know it was just a lot of surprise as far as like you know even though i think even in even with like coming upon new york city for the first time because she had never been to the city to new york before and you have Everyone has this image, this mental image of what New York City looks like in their head from movies. Like, even if you grew up in the tiniest town in the middle of, like, Nebraska oh, yeah, or something it's, it's like true. that. It's true. You, I mean, you, it's... Yeah, you have an idea of what New York looks like growing up. But seeing it in person, you come over the bridge and you see the skyline and you see everything. And it's just it's like, just holy massive. shit, this is, like, way more massive than I could have imagined. Oh, yeah, like 11 years ago when I first came into town, um, and Rory Kelly will be talking to her tomorrow. She's the one that brought me in. You know, when I first got in and saw that skyline, you know, I was always like, I want to get to New York City. And I hadn't been there since my dad um, was taking me one, on a truck driving trip. And I was only uh, 11. I saw the Statue yeah. of Liberty. That was it. We just passed. And I was like, oh, Statue of Liberty, you know? Yeah, yeah. So coming back, I was like, whoa. First thing I want to do is like just drive down to Manhattan and get out. Right, right. It's just like I was so like you get it, you, you get out, get you walk around, and it's like overwhelming because, and that's yep. why you you know there's that cliche of like the New York City tourist that they get they they get up from the train station and then they just wander around like looking at the sky for <laughs> like and you know native New Yorkers are trying to get to work and they're disgruntled and everyone fucking hates each other <laughs> exactly. and, and, and these exactly. tourists with their bags looking up at the sky are getting in the way and I'm like I'm gonna like elbow one of these guys one day but. You know, then it, you got to keep it in perspective and like and think about the first time you might have seen the city and be like, OK, this is a natural reaction. Like this is pretty it's actually pretty impressive, but we take it for granted because we we're here every day and, and we're here for work. We're not here to like do something fun. Like all these people are there on vacation. And for me, it's like a lot of it is jealousy. I'm like, fuck, I wish I was in vacation in like a nice city or something. Well, like even that. back in Erie, like Prescott, Prescott, Isle. We're all like, yeah, Prescott, but people come from all over the place right, to these beaches, right. and we're, you know, it's and it. And really I used to get, an, I used to get annoyed by the traffic on the peninsula because you know I'd just want to go to the beach and hang out <laughs> when I lived there, and there would be like, oh, these tourist traffic is, and uh, I'm like, why would they con- want to come here? But now that I think <laughs> about it, I'm like, oh, that's uh, Prescott was actually really beautiful. Like that's <laughs> until you get away from things, you, know, <clears throat> you don't realize how awesome they really are. You know, the grass is greener, yeah, for sure. So Eddie Aranda. That's me. I, I obviously um, we became good friends. You know, we're kind of all over the. We'll jump back in here. We uh, we became good friends in Erie, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. um, and you were in Daybreak Radio. I was. Which yeah. anybody listening uh, is familiar with that band? Um, Ryan Bartosik, Justin Anderson. Yep. Uh, were yep. you Were you in the band when we had Doug Phillips, or was that later? That was uh, That was later. Yeah, was I think later? that was when. Who was your second drummer? Was it Steve or something? Steve like that? Powell. Yeah, yeah, Steve Powell. I think. Uh, I think Doug joined when Steve was there. Steve Powell was fired shortly after doing double kick drum in Deer, Oklahoma. (laughs) (laughs) 
That was an event, huh? Did Steve listen like... to these? I hope so. I like Steve. <laughs> but didn't, didn't you move to Texas or something? Yeah, yeah. I think he lives in Austin, Texas. So Steve's a great dude. Yeah, no, I met him. I met him a couple of times. He was. He seemed like a real, real good guy. But I met. So okay, so you you're a graphic designer. I don't know if we said that yet. Yeah, no, we. Uh, is I that your job title? Designer. That's uh, my job title now is art director. Yeah. So I was. Uh, I started as a graphic designer at a small advertising firm based in Erie, and that's how you know I, I went to Penn State, and uh, that's kind of how I ended up in Pennsylvania to begin with. So went to Penn State main campus, did four years there, um, studied advertising and communications. But I've always like, you know, art and music have always been kind of like in the background the whole time. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this like advertising degree to make sure I have some like professional skills that I can. Where'd you go to college? At Penn State. Main campus. Yeah. You probably just said that. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about asking you that question. I'm a little run now. I sound sick. I'm all off. I'm all off put. No, but, no, um, no worries. So, so you moved. Um, why did you move to Erie, Pennsylvania? Um, Coming from Long Island. I was in a relationship at the time. So um, in Erie or in, or here? in, in at Penn State, actually. So uh, I was engaged for a while like uh, my ex and I were engaged for like six years uh we met at Penn State and we were random roommates and um ended up just like you know hitting it off and dating and stuff like that and uh I graduated Penn State in 06 and she had like another semester left and she she wanted to take a class at Penn State Barron in Erie if people don't know that's like the branch campus of Penn State that's located in Erie so I agreed. I'm like, okay, let's let's move to Erie. Um, you know, you can finish school, and then we'll figure out what we want to do. Like, I didn't know where we wanted to go. Like, I could we could end it up in Colorado or California for all I knew. Um, so yeah, that's good choices. Colorado, California, can't go wrong there. Yeah, no, it's two of my favorite uh, Western states. Um, but uh, yeah, so like I kind of just fell into Erie by accident because she had to finish school, and she did. At the time, I was like, when we got there, I just needed a job to pay the bills and pay the rent and stuff like that. So I ended up working at the mall, at the good old Mill Creek Mall. And Where'd you uh, work in the mall? What's that? Did you where'd, sell leather you jackets? Do you remember Wilson's Leather? Yes. Yeah, I worked at Wilson's Leather. No Did you work kidding. there with a dude named Zach Thundercloud? No, I didn't. I know who he is, though. <laughs> did, Zach work, did Zach work at Wilson's? Well, that's my, uh, my, my baby mama. <laughs> That's uh, her her new uh, her new thing. Not oh fling. yeah, yeah. Her not fling, her but thing. thing. Her, her new her thing. thing. Her new thing. Her new thing. <laughs> but um, I think he works there now. Oh, does he? Re- so I thought, but at he's Wilson's a lot. Leather? I think no. That, that one closed down a while no, ago. Unless working. they reopened. Zach was working at American Commodore. Uh, oh, okay. I knew he. I, I'm sorry. The tuxedo place. That's that correct. correct. That That's might be correct. right. Yeah, but I used to work at a tuxedo place too. So Which you one? didn't it was here in Rockville Center. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, <laughs> slinging tuxes, baby. I was, I worked, yeah, I worked for this, um, I worked for this old grandfatherly Jewish guy named Joel, and it was, uh, and I basically went in and kept him company, and like he bought me coffee, and like I, paid sh- you? I shined shoes, and like <laughs> he shined shoes. Yeah, you were a no, shoe shine boy. I literally shined you got shoes. Got paid in coffee to shine shoes, and I'm like, it was the, it There's was nothing the, more New York than it was shining the, shoes. It was the cushiest gig ever because like for him, I was like, it was like his grandkid. He would tell me war stories and stuff like that. Oh wow, yeah, yeah, it was cool. You were, you were. Never I was in high school. <laughs> I was gonna say you're probably in the will. 
<laughs> I, I better check that out. I bet he's got like... Is that your strategy? Millions hanging that's out a, somewhere. That's a pretty adorable story, though. It is, yeah. It was like, I don't know. It's kind of like they should make a Pixar movie out of it. Like an up situation. Out of clay. <laughs> Claymation. Claymation. Where it's constantly moving, so your beard is just flowing. And then in the end, he like, you know, he lift, a bunch of balloons come out of the top of the tuxedo. Place, well, I was saying the Claymation. The I was going with the California Raisins, Dan, like a little bit more of that. Oh, the Raisins, yeah. Oh, um, they had a Christmas special one time. It's kind of creepy. So, so you guys... You guys, did, I mean, the idea of talking dancing raisins that? is creepy to begin with. Oh yeah, it was, it was worse. <laughs> talking than that. raisins, had a lot of weird things on that. Show. Yeah, the ra- the California, California raisins, raisins are kind of creepy, aren't they? More of a prune man. <laughs> well, a, a, a prune is just a, a plum raisin, right? Nah. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I'm not even going to entertain that. I think, I think it is. I think raisins are a hoax. People are going to be listening to this podcast if they could like, what the fuck happened? All right, anyway, 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 you bastards. They don't even know what raisins are. I can't do, I can't do one serious thing. But um, so you, you guys together ended up moving to Erie. Yeah, yeah. So we moved to Erie together and See, I got, I, a, I, I got a job at the mall. I was working at Wilson's. I learned a lot about leather um, and <laughs> slinging leather jackets and, uh, yeah, and then she decided that after she graduated that she wanted to go to grad school and study psychology, become a clinical psychologist. So it was like at that point, I was like really ready to get out and like, you Before know. Before you analyze me. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm like, I was ready to move on and like find where we wanted to live and like get into a career type job. And then she's like, oh, wait, I want to go back to grad school. Um, it's going to be two more years. So I was like, all right, I got this. I'm going to stick it out. We'll, we'll make it work. Moved into a nicer apartment. So you were just fresh with your degree at this point. Yeah. I I hadn't done anything with it yet. I was fresh with my degree. I was working at the mall and that was like, so at, at like the nine month point of working at the mall. And that was when she decided to go back to grad school. I was like, all right, I'm going to be here a little longer. I better like, kind of like try to get my career started a little bit and, uh, started. So I started, like I built a portfolio for myself. What year was this? Oh uh, seven, wow! So you were in Erie a while before I showed up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, was, I thought you had lived. I guess maybe we we hadn't talked about this in a long time, or maybe we never did. But keep going. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think we ever actually went over this. Like just you and I. But the, like the sexy deets. Yeah, the, we. <laughs> That's what's your title of the show now. Since this is now this, this no new this segment the of the podcast we're entering into right now is called the sexy deets. So uh, <laughs> uh, kids, uh, deets. If you are listening. Deets is age, short for 16. details. Uh, yes, thank you for clarifying, Tyler. <laughs> That's not very sexy. <laughs> but anyway, so 2007. Yeah, yeah. You're fresh out of Penn State. Yep. Your girl's got one semester left. Yep. Two years left now because she finished and then she decided to go back to grad school. And she's doing that at Barron. She's doing that at Barron. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting the full picture, baby. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I. Uh, so I started putting my resume out there. I, you know, I kind of fell into this position where I got my foot in the door at an advertising uh, firm in Erie. Um, that it was really crazy thing. Like I think on my first day, my first interview, I went in there, it was supposed to be just like the, the, their creative director was going to give me some notes on my resume and like, take a look at, at, you know, you know, help me get, help me kind of like get my resume prepared and my portfolio prepared. He was a friend of my, uh, my, uh, ex fiance's family. So I get in there, I meet him. And like, one of the first questions I get asked is, um, so how do you feel about the Second Amendment? And I'm like, this is a, it's like basically like at a job interview. I'm like, 
Okay. Like that's like I had never That was the first question? First question. Like, so how do you feel about the Second Amendment? I have to ask you that before we continue. Really? Yeah. Was this Lamar? No. No. I don't want to name it. Okay, don't name it. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, ultimately it became like an amazing place to work and it like launched my career off the ground and like everyone I worked with there, like my creative director became like a real like mentor for me and like taught me how to be a professional designer and everything like and that. And when I met what you, that's where answer? you were working. My answer was like, I never really thought about it. I'm like, I'm not against it. I said like, uh, but I've never really put deep thought into whether I think people should be allowed to have guns or not. So I was like, you know, I, I'm I'm not anti-hunting. Like, I think, you know, hunting to f- feed yourself and your family is a perfectly, like, noble thing. Um, but I kind of dodged the question a little bit. <laughs> I don't know where was he going with that. Uh, well, okay, I'll tell you. So if you would have said no guns. Okay, go ahead. So it turned out that, it, you know, I'll skip all the details of how I got to this point, but it turns out that this advertising agency operated almost specifically in the... Uh, outdoors hunting and firearm industry so like all of their clientele were either uh gun archery um or just general like outdoors hunting equipment type companies yeah so they wanted to like i guess make sure that i wasn't like like super anti-gun like where where like the core of my identity as a person wasn't going to like completely clash with their business mission and stuff by like the that. time i met makes you, more sense by the yeah, time i yeah. met you um yeah you were working for this company and you were doing you were doing like their full catalogs you were like branding yeah like no companies. i was i was like fully in by the time we met down I was, to like i was pap- an art director paper, and stuff down like to that. like paper stock of like these catalogs oh yeah yeah choosing like we do like cool um like custom print jobs where you have like the like gold foil and like gloss uh varnishes like um and yeah, we would select everything from like the paper stock. What what I really got good at and what I excelled at and helped grow the company with was branding. So like um, like logo design and just creating a story around a brand because a brand is more than just like a logo and some colors. It's it's a voice. It's a personality. Like so, I became really good at coming up with these like personalities and turning these brands not just into like you know companies, but into like like um identities and people and brand identity so you'd even do like quotes mission statements yeah and that's actually how i started a lot of my branding projects before i designed anything before i designed a logo or selected colors i would sit there and i would write almost like storyboard i would write i would write i would write like i was writing like a novel or something like that so i would have an idea in my head of what the like I, i could picture if this brand were a person or an actor or something, what actor would it be? What person would it be? What type of car would the person drive? If they had a wristwatch, what would it look like? What brand would it be? So like you ask yourselves all these questions. These are things I learned in advertising school. It's like a process for how to kind of like craft a brand identity. And then I would start, and then I would just write. And I'd wrote a paragraph and I'd try to write it in the voice. If this brand were writing something, to the public, to their, to, you know, their customers, like what would it sound like and what kind of language would they use? And that for me, like words have always sparked like, um, you know, uh, visuals. So then once I had the words, I'm like, okay, I know who this brand is now. Now I can start designing. I can like make a logo. I'm like, so, you know, that, that was kind of, I fell into that process and I just realized I was good at it and people would you give, are damn give me, good at it. People would give me money for it. So I was like, all right, I'm going to keep doing this. So while yeah. you while you were at this specific company, you you kicked off some ma- some pretty major brands now, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say major in terms of like the global scale. Like it, they, there are they aren't brands that are household names for most Americans, but within the like niche w- within that that niche industry of like hunting firearms, uh, outdoors outdoorsy people and stuff like that, they were definitely household names. Um, you know, I I helped a very very prominent, probably I would say the number one worldwide crossbow company launch two uh brands um and the one the the one that was actually one of the first brands i worked on that i found a lot of success with was a as a crossbow company called wicked ridge and uh they you know we created I, i'm really proud of it because we created them from scratch they didn't exist and you know so the, a, so a company comes to you and says hey we have this awesome product we yeah, need internet people yeah. we need somebody to build this brand for us right right they had a product and they had like, you know, the, this company was great with their engineering. They had engineers that would design the products and they were some of the best built in the world. Um, and they had a reputation for being very well built, but they didn't have any kind of like, we have to market this somehow. We have to, you know, we can't just put a crossbow out and put it out there and say, hey, buy this. Like there has to be a story with it that can ha- like that people latch onto that that consumers can look at that and identify with and say like, oh yeah, that, that personality fits me. That's who I am. And I want to buy that product. And it's not just because of it has a great trigger or it has, you know, or it shoots 50 yards and can hit a dime or something like that. It It's more than that. It goes like there's an emotional connection with, with the product because of the brand. Hmm. And that's I'd pretty think- much every product you think, uh, you know, because like a lot of, a lot of its functionality is why we buy one thing or maybe it's performance is why we buy one thing over the other you know yeah but you're saying yeah. like it's a, it's really an identity thing this is like this is who i am as a person that's why people shop that way huh? yeah i think i i think there's it's both because if you think about it in terms of like cars or something like that you can you can look at like a, a high performance mercedes-benz and there's like a certain cachet around it because it's a mercedes-benz if if you were to you know, there's a reason that Ford can put out a product that is matches in every way the performance of, of Mercedes-Benz, a top top of the line Mercedes. But there's a there's an emotional connection with with their target. Mercedes knows who their target audience is. They know who their market is, and they know, and connecting with that market. Even though Ford can put out a, the same exact car performance wise. Those people will never never buy a Ford. They'll buy a Mercedes because they want that name. Because it's the name. It's there's an emotional connection. There's an identification on an emotional level with that brand and to what that a company brand that's been doing that for for yeah. decades. Right, right. Um, Rolex is another good one. There are a lot of watches that are every bit as well built as a Rolex, but and I, and I guess this stuff <laughs> right. is kind of you think about it for a second. It seems kind of obvious, but I I think the average person probably. I guess now more than ever, becoming a brand, even people branding yeah, themselves is yeah. such is such a thing. Uh, and the kids are good at it. That's the thing. Like you got young guys come and girls coming up like in their early twenties and stuff, and they're almost like they're they were born into a world where where everything's branded and like as a person you're branded and and it's it's almost a natural thing for them. So now I'm like you know I'm I'm in the middle section of my career. And I'm looking at these some of these younger people coming up, 
And I'm like, man, these these people just get it on like an intuitive level. They don't I mean, even just have look to at try. The, yeah, just look at YouTube. <laughs> I mean, all there, everyone, everyone that has a lot of followers on YouTube, definitely you can look at them and say they have a brand. There's something there that a personal, personally attack. You know, I'm I'm interested in and I can identify with. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it it's a thing. You know, I but I think it's it's one of one of the most important things that. Um, you know, I, even me, you know, I definitely, I, I completely miss, you know, a lot of, because, um, well, you got, you guys are both musicians and, you know, are like career musicians. You're, you're really, you know, making a serious run at it. Do you put a lot of effort into trying to brand yourself or do you kind of like take it on like a one decision at a time? Like, oh, I would do this. This is, this fits who I am, but maybe this doesn't fit who I am. Well, what, okay. So this kind of ties in you know, not to change subjects or whatever, but this, this kind of ties in with like how we met. Right. Like we met, um, off the base, like a, a Craigslist post. You, you, yeah. you made a post. Like I was, I was, I was drunk at a show at the crooked eye one night. Um, and there was a band from out of town that I thought was just really bad. And I was like getting pissed off. And I was like, so I put an angry Craigslist ad out saying like someone, you know, looking for musicians want to start a band. I could do better than this crap. You know what that's kind of reminds me of? <laughs> that's, that, that reminds me of the story of Tool. Yeah. 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 It is very similar. <laughs> Except we're not as rich and famous as Tool. Yeah. we. Yeah. That was. Uh... But, but I saw this Craigslist ad, you know, right, I had just right. moved to Erie like 2012. Um, I had played Crooked Eye Open Mic, mm-hmm. um, and I was looking for people to play with, and I saw this ad, and it seemed funny, <laughs> and it, it was funny, it was witty, and it was genuine, and, uh, and it was well- And I might have been a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> Back so we met up, and I, I remember when we met up, I like- would I do check the basement out for bodies or something? Yeah, yeah. I think the first time we, we met up, it was at your place. But then, like, we decided to try to jam, like, get some music together. And you came over my house. And you came inside, like... That's the first I, time... This is the first time I've ever in my life met somebody off Craigslist. Oh, you met, didn't, like, make, a, a, you a didn't make a habit out of that. I've never met a male <laughs> or a, male. a woman. <laughs> a male. <laughs> I only meet the ladies on there. The M for M section. And I didn't have any dates. <laughs> we're, peak, we're peeking out. The whole system belt blew up. Oh, um, shit. All right. <laughs> um, but anyway. I'm going to stand back for the mic a little bit. But yeah, but it was weird because it, meeting somebody on Craigslist like that and then meeting you, yeah, and, yeah. and I think immediately we were like, okay, this is like my type of dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to tie back in with what you're saying with the branding and the music, I met you in a uh, playing music was like you brought over acoustic or something. And we jammed a little bit. Right. Then I kind of found right. out what you did a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we were watching a hoser video. Right. Right. And you were like, I'd love to do something like that. And then I kind of found out you're in video uh, or you've done some video, you've done some branding. I remember that video too. Cause that was kind of like, um, we, Cherry, we filmed something rooftop shortly after sessions. that, the rooftop. Yeah. Eddie was, uh, for anybody's familiar with my work and, uh, my music and followed it over the years. The rooftop sessions were kind of like a breakthrough point for me, especially yeah. with booking. Yeah. Because, okay, here's some guy. Oh, oh in the videos looked pro. And mm. uh, you you were like, hey, let's do a video maybe on a rooftop. Right. And then Rob Frank kind of picked up the idea later and was like, hey, I want to do some more of these. Right, right. Um, that's something I've actually thought about bringing back. Doing, I, I thought that was a really cool concept. I, and I know and, it's, and it not, it's not a, something that hasn't been done before. I'm not going to say it was like the the most original thing in the world but it was cool and hold on let me fix the computer we still recording yep should be all right oh technology 
Yeah, we got we're on a travel we're on a travel guy, setup. Hit the trackpad every so often to make sure that it doesn't the screensaver doesn't turn. All off. right, sorry, we're back. Yeah, yeah. Um so So yeah, so I thought that was a really cool concept and it was kind of like what I liked about it is that the camera and and this is specifically relating to the the hoser video that we we saw that like that the kind of inspired it for me was like the camera was almost treated as a fly on the wall and it was like it it hovered around but it was invisible kind of so like you you were able to absorb like the whole environment and it almost put you it put you there with the artist and it had like a kind of like intimate like like this person's playing this song just for me kind of feel about it and that's what like i wanted to carry into the rooftop sessions so like when you say we he was the first i don't know you've seen the heirs of the throne one yeah on top i think it was on top of coconut joe's it was me you and uh ben wait right yeah he uh he did audio but yeah eddie is the one that kind of sparked that entire thing and uh we can get more into go ahead what are you gonna say say, you know deal what's been done before it's what you just said right there it's how you approached it right and you know that's i think right there those kind of things make a difference like it's just a video but the intimacy Mm, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the camera, you know, just being a fly on the wall, kind of capturing it. Like you create an, an an environment, you know, right with the shot, right. I think so. Branding right. is about the shot. Maybe it's about yep. the, it's about the colors of the, the the logo. Yeah, all those things. You know? Yeah, yeah. The angle that you're approaching it from. It's like that. You know, I I don't really think there's ever been a, a truly original idea because all creativity and art art feeds off of previously done creativity and art, but it's it's the it's that little like glimmer of like freshness to the approach of like this this person approached it from a place that is uniquely them even even though it's a video and vid- and music videos have been done you know a thousand times over this one came from this specific person and it has like their signature on it yeah yeah absolutely and i i've been really wanting to get into more uh, me and justin have talked about he did the podcast uh, just as a guest um a few months back mm-hmm. and we talked about like you know what what do we feel is really the way to go anymore yeah and um yeah. I, I think doing music videos because that I, I saw such a direct result from doing those because i did one with you i see that's interesting to me because i never knew i never knew how what the impact was on that like you you got you got more bookings and more opportunities from well those. think about it when i met you i really wasn't doing much right we right. did the videos i mean yeah we were Ed, doing like open mics or something like that eddie also um Eddie also, you know, I found out he played drums. He got his kit back from New York. Yeah, yeah. Um, we start we started Daybreak va- Radio. Yeah, we started um, it as like just a jam session in uh, my basement at the time. Yeah. Um, so you and also you helped me out a lot, dude. That you know, TylerSmiler.com. Yeah, you helped yeah. put that up for me. Um, Eddie did uh, the Tyler Smiler logo with the sword. That's right. Eddie's idea. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess I, I did a lot. Yeah, but for, at the time it was like fun for me, so I was just like. Yeah, like yeah, oh, this is, this is yeah. a cool project. Let's well, do this. Well, it's, yeah. I think I think you and then know, he became a dictator, and, was like, and then and then, then Tyler was became a tyrant, and he was like, "No, not this color here." And he would hit me, <laughs> and no, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> he smacked, he hit you too. It was cool because, um, you know, you were into certain stuff, I was into certain stuff, some stuff mm-hmm. we had in common, and a right. bunch of really cool stuff came from that relationship at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a highly like creative period of my life dust in a grave you uh you know all the artwork or um he he did all the how would you call I it did, i did i did the smilo and the ghost um album art yeah the logo for that um dust in a grave all the daybreak radio albums all that stuff so yeah. i mean you you are 
you are incredible at what you do. I appreciate it. You know, that. and Thanks. without, I think at that time, without us really thinking about it, those little things really did. I mean, at least at that point. Yeah. They, I, they added up to, even though it wasn't like a coordinated effort where we're like, hey, we're going to build a brand for Tyler. Yeah. It kind of like added up a little piece at a time to like, all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, oh, Tyler Smile is a thing that people know. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that was really awesome, man. Uh, I've missed you a lot since. I've really missed you a lot since you've moved here. Likewise. And, I, yeah. and I'm not one of those guys that text all my guy friends 24-7. It's just like a notion in my head, like, yeah. he knows what's up. Yeah. You know? No, it's like, <laughs> I was in the car with you. You text him all day, all night. Who, all my guys? <laughs> no, I'm texting the late. I'm texting my lady. He's taking his ladies. Um, lady. I, I, well, in the car, I was checking a lot of Facebook. We, we, yeah, I wasn't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Eddie, you're super talented dude, man. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate uh, it. And that was the thing. And because sometimes you'd be like, "Hey, check this out," and I'd be like, "Dude, that's badass. Can I use this?" And you're like, "Yeah, sure." Yeah, yeah. But I yeah. still use a lot of that stuff now. Well, that's like you know, I think when you're in a place where you're a professional designer at like an advertising agency, it's like you you take for granted sometimes that like you're not digging ditches or like doing manual labor or like doing you know a job that maybe is not fulfilling creatively. And, and you get to the point where like, you don't want to do design. So like for it, I don't know, it probably happens to a lot of people. It's like when something that's your passion, like art or music becomes your job, all of a sudden it takes some of the fun and the spark out of it. Maybe for some people, maybe not so much for others. But for me, it was like, now that I'm getting paid for this and there's a lot of pressure on me and there's these like companies that are spending a lot of money for me to do what I do and there are other opinions in the room it gets really exhausting and you're just like sometimes you just want to like I just want to fucking design something for me and not have to like answer to anybody so that was when when Tyler came along and we were like uh, it was inspiring because I was like I have an idea for a cool logo that I think like fits Tyler's personality and I just did it and if he didn't like it I would be like oh well no worries don't worry about it it was like it was for it, I, I we were doing all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah, we were like doing like a lot video of cool stuff. recordings. And it was it was a creative outlet for me that I could just like control myself. And, you know, you know, if Tyler dug it, then that was all the better. But but <laughs> if he didn't, I would still have gotten something out of creating it. What this all reminds me of, uh, you know, Eddie is a super creative guy and he'd always be throwing me ideas in this time frame. And uh I st- I think about these times with like a big heart, man, because it just we always were joking around. Yeah, it we was a good it was good times eating, for me. It was less complicated times. Eating you know? plenty <laughs> plenty of pizza. Oh yeah, we were J- like, J- dude. We were on a Chipotle train we got, too. We got, we got it was like daily pizza sweats. <laughs> it was. <laughs> but uh, I remember one day we, we we started this little jam thing, and I think we had Rob Bartosik in. Mm-hmm. Um, Bartosik had brought in Justin Anderson. Justin didn't come in right away, right? Didn't we jam a couple times with just you, me, and Ryan? And yeah. Then- yeah, and then yeah. We brought Justin in. Um, but we were just doing a little something at your house in your basement. Um, and you're like, didn't you live in Harbor Creek? I li- yeah, I did at the time. Yeah, uh, you yeah. you were Pe- like Pelham Pelham Road, I think. It was you like were, right down the road from the shore. You were like, hey, I think I got a name for the band, you know, Daybreak Radio. And we're all like, and we had been kicking around ideas. Yeah, because we had that Facebook, that private Facebook group where we were like trying to like coordinate <laughs> and share ideas. And like, yeah, let's make a real band here. And so we're like, dude, you know. And nothing else was really jumping out at us. We're like, dude, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Do you remember some of the early ones? Did, would that be fun? That would be funny for people to hear some of the Sunnyvale? Sunnyvale. That was one of them, yeah. What's another one? I thought uh, I thought we had more. Maybe not. But do you remember <laughs> what inspired Sunnyvale? The trailer Park Boys? Yeah. 
Just, Justin Anderson's kind of like a clean cut, you know, church going dude. Yeah, he's, he's like, he's like, like I, don't, I, just... I don't want my band to be named after a trailer park he's in like, a well, fictional I, series. I think first he's like, I don't get it. And I'm like, well, that's for trailer park boys. And he's like, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not down with that. I haven't, I haven't eaten enough like, cans of baked beans for that. Boys. <laughs> but, uh. Or raviolis. A can, nine cans of raviolis. The nine cans of raviolis. <laughs> that was the other band name? No, no, that was that was just a trailer park boys <laughs> reference. <laughs> we our whole lives were one big inside joke. Yeah, you know? basically, yeah. <laughs> we're like laughing hysterically right now. Other people are like people are, people listening are like, oh god, when are they going to stop? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that, those were badass times. And, yeah, and, I, and yeah. when I wanted to ask you why, why did you decide to move back to Long Island? Uh, that's a good question. So, um. What year? What year did you move back to Long Island? Two thousand fifteen. That would have been. So yeah, I got married in two thousand fifteen. Met a gal. Met a gal. So yeah, let me let me back it up one second here. So we had, it was like this is where the timeline gets a little fuzzy for me because my ex and I ended up breaking up. I I bought a house. This was like a whole big thing. She was we were living in Erie, um, in the city. She was commuting to Meadville every day for her job, which was, you know, it's pretty long drive. And uh, it kind of like wore us down. It got to the point where like, you know, we were always tired. It was just like the daily grind got to both of us. We needed a change. She she grew up in the country, like straight up like 200 acre farm country and always envisioned herself being back in that type of environment and living in that type of environment. I was more like kind of open to anything, um, but it was, I think eventually we got to the point where we realized that like we wanted very different things in life. And when you're in your twenties, you don't think about that a whole lot. It's just like, yeah. you're kind of naive and you're kind of like, oh, love is blind. And like, you know, the, you know, all, all we need is each other and stuff like that. And, and like one day you just wake up to the reality of like, oh shit, if I, if I let this, if I keep that mentality, one day I'm going to wake up and I'm like going to be 60 years old and I'm going to like resent the hell out of this person because I feel like my life didn't become what I thought it maybe could have. Yeah, I think that help, happens to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 part of like I think it's part of maturing as a human being and just like I think even when I met you, this stuff was still kind of like bothering you and lingering. Yeah, no, it, it it for sure was, and that's what got me back into music. I had so I broke up with my ex. I so. So I bought a house and this is when, this is when things kind of started like bubbling to the surface when, um, to, to make her commute easier. Cause she kind of at that point gave me an ultimatum and said like, look, I can't commute from Erie anymore. I'm like, I'm not happy here. I'm either we have to find something that's like more in the country and closer to Meadville, or I'm going to move in with my mom, like, which was down in that direction. So it kind of like forced my hand. I started looking for rentals in like the Edinburgh area and like, you know, north of Meadville. And uh, there was really nothing like not a whole lot for rent. Um, And uh, I ended up buying a house in Edinburgh and it was beautiful. Like I I still to this day, like loved that house. It was a um, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but it was like right off of the uh, 79 uh, exit. And, you know, that that main road that goes into, like, downtown Edinburgh, Mm -hmm. um, Silverthorne Road is the name of the road. Yeah. And it's uh, it it was a corner corner lot, like two point five acres with a pond and a a nice shed. It was an 1855 farmhouse, like beautiful house. Wow. And uh, yeah. And I, I bought it. 
and then like I didn't even know that you had a that you had bought a house there. Maybe yeah. you had told me. Yeah, but. no, because it was like I. What ended up happening is then like it ended up being like the house was almost like the band-aid that I tried to put on a deeper yeah. problem. And, and then within six months or so, I, you know, I realized I'm like, this just isn't working for me. And I like, I want to like upheave my life kind of. And, um, yeah, we, we had some conversations, difficult conversations. And, and this is while was, you were working. This is while I was working. I was still working at the, uh, advertising agency. And yeah. that was the one steady thing in my life that was going good for me was my career and my job. And like, I was like, at a good job. I kept moving up. I was having more success. Um, and, uh, that was really what kept me in Erie for as long as I did, because I was like, this is, this is a good gig. I like this. Um, and, uh, so she moved out and I was found myself living by myself. For now, the now commuting to Erie, now commuting to Erie from Edinburgh, living by myself. It was the first time in my adult life I'd ever lived alone. So I was like, what? what the fuck am I doing like here? What do I, what do I do with myself now? I have all this like, time. dude, I bet that was crazy. Like, Oh my God, I own this house. Yeah. I was like, like I'm I was in living, my 20s. I was living alone in this house. The, you I, basically kind of bought to cater to this yeah. relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It got, uh, so I, I started having like massive amounts of free time that I had never had before in my life. I'd come home and I'd just be like, all right, it's just me. What the hell do I do now? And I picked up a guitar and it had been a long time. I, I wrote and recorded a lot of solo music in college. It was like, you know, my thing then. And I had always thought like, maybe I can make music work as a career, but I'll do this advertising thing as a fallback plan. So then I finally like, now I have all this time and I'm like, all right, I'll pick the guitar up again. And it kind of snowballed from there. I started, I got some recording gear. I started, rec I started recording some covers to some of the like indie songs that I was into at the time and like doing acoustic interpretations of some songs that were like, you know, maybe not so obvious for that type of style. Um, for the record, Eddie's a damn good guitar player and, and you've, and you've wrote some killer songs. Oh, thanks man. Yeah. It's a, it, you know, I, I don't write songs very often, but I think when I when I do write songs, it comes out of something that's like e either traumatic or very emotionally heavy that's happening in my life, which is is sad because it's like sometimes I think, man, if I'm too happy, I can't write good music. I know, um, isn't that like it, <laughs> how really it is with writing? Um, oh, I, I dude, I really. feel the same exact way. You think so? Yeah, I, I, there's. Something... I've noticed that with other musicians too. Like, uh, and um, I don't think it's with everybody. I think with no. some artists in general that the pain. Um, is more of a motivator than happiness. Well, I mean, it, it brings to mind like Elliot Smith. Like we're both, I think we're both fans of his music. Yeah, I don't think he was ever supposed to be like, a, you know, like a like a John Mayer type. No, no. <laughs> but you know, it's. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, I can totally relate to that. Um, it it's like when things are going really good in yeah. my life. Yeah. Um, I can't really write. So it almost seems like subconsciously, and mm -hmm. I and I found this, you know, scrolling up, right? Um, you know, now that I'm 33 and I'm finally, you know, thinking about my future. Yeah. <laughs> finally, for real, like I it's, made it. I, I've, I've 33. I've accepted that recently. That uh, yeah, I'm like it's time to start growing up. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's, it's fucked up. But um, it, it's like subconsciously I'll like derail some part of my life because the creative aspect the creative side of me likes the chaos yeah you know it yeah. wants something to talk about it's almost like a self-sabotage process because you need that muse or that inspiration or something like that there there was at one point where i was you know conscious conscious about this i remember you know hanging out with girls thinking like i'll get an album out of this one <laughs> <laughs> and i'm dead serious Dude, that's like, dark man 
Man. Like, like I know it's a prerequisite. No, 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 no. It, not, not that no, sinister. I, I get, not I get that what sinister. You mean, but thinking I, like of this, yeah. you know, thinking it in terms of like, oh my god, if she broke my heart, well, yeah. at least I get an album out of it. Yeah, that's a that's uh, a, that's a hit right there. Yeah. And uh, whether the success shows it or not, it's like it's something that I've music's been that important. Well, I mean, you, so I can just relate when when you know one of the things when I first met you and I first heard your music is that I'm like that struck me really strong was that like, okay, there's, there's a lot of honesty in this music. And I think that's like honesty in art is really tough to come by these days because people don't want to bear their like true soul to the general public that it's almost like they think they will, but they're holding something back. And like with your lyrics, it was like, it hooked me right away. Cause I was like, all right, yeah, this guy's telling the full story of what's going on inside in in there, you know, and you can't you can't fake that. So that is like that's the genuine kind of aspect. And that... I kind of feel like you wrote songs like that as well. Yeah, I think that's and, why and we connected reason... early on because that, that so out of that breakup and me being alone, it was like I know it's I'm I'm hearing myself and it sounds like cliche as hell. No, no, but no. but you know it was it was a lot of strong emotion at the time and it was like that needed to come out somehow. So I found myself picking up the guitar and just like shit would come out and I wouldn't know. I'm like, oh, I didn't know I had that in me. And it was like it was coming from a place of like pure, like raw emotion and somewhere you didn't even have to think about it. Yeah, somewhere I didn't have to think about it. And uh, and yeah, I ended up writing like I think like eight to ten songs that I was actually like I'm still really proud of some of them. Some of them haven't aged as well on me. Like I'll go back and listen to them now. I'm like eh, I'd probably cut that one if I were making an album. But I think there were probably like four or five tracks that I wrote at that time period that I'm like uh, that might be some of the best writing I've done. I'm you know I don't have the best singing voice in the world, uh, but it's better than you think. It, it's all right, but. I think dude you nowadays know, in the studio with a little uh, effect you can, can make, put a little auto tune on work me. That, baby. Can you auto tune me? <laughs> it worked for uh, what was his name? Wu Hong or whatever his name that one, that one on the uh, William William Hong? William Hong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He made it. He got signed. He made an album. That's so, okay. So maybe uh, maybe the ho- when, I, ho- not all hope is lost. No. When now. are we gonna <laughs> hear? When are we gonna hear the Eddie Aranda album? Oh man, have you I ever don't thought? Know. Have you ever thought about like now? After you know, so some my years my now. my thing the 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 this is my fatal flaw is that I start projects and I don't finish them. So like I my my focus my creative focus is always on my job because that's what makes money and what pays the bills. So I'm like that stuff I know I need to finish it. Like I'm like I can't not finish it because if I don't finish it I'll get fired. Um, but the uh, with with songwriting and personal projects. I'll start so many things and then like I'll run out of time or I'll get or something else will come up and I'll be like, I'll tell myself I'll go back to it later and then I never do. So, um, so yeah, but I'd, I'd love to get back into it and actually like put something out that's like that I'm proud to like, you know, distribute. You mentioned the song and you write these songs and you go back and you say, well, you know, maybe I might want to cut a few of those. And I mean, these are obviously, and I think we all do that. We have right. songs that we're like, oh, you know, these, these are the best ones. And my thought with it as I go back is like, okay. And I was telling, I think Tyler on the way over too, is like, those songs were meant for me. Yeah. To get me through that. Maybe they're never going to go anywhere. Maybe not. But, but I, but that's how I like, expressed myself. And that's sometimes like how I get over hard times when you write a song. Right. It's, a, it's, it's better a, to write it out. It's better. You can express it. It's better. cathartic. You know, I, mean, I, think I think that's, yeah. I think nowadays, you know, and I do this all the time, mm-hmm. like what I make or create or talk about. Yeah. I only see the worth in it if it's like 
reflected in how others react or, right. or how many people are interested in it. You're, you're like, like you, I post something that's really dear to me online and it gets like yeah, two yeah. likes and then all of a sudden it's like not so dear than I thought it was. And it's oh, like, that's, that's bullshit. So you're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're assigning a value to it based on its the reaction, not in what it, did for you personally well i think that i, I think, think a as, lot of people i think that. when you're touring that's, and you're I playing really shows and, you, thing. and Probably, you're playing yeah. rooms where like it seems like nobody gives a shit that really makes you you know like i understand people show up for dinner or something yeah and they're, they're they'd like to hear you know some cover that they know yeah uh to hear some guy up there like just doing what i do i feel i and i i can uh sympathize with the listener right like you know they right. never heard this song yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm kind, i'm pe- eating i'm having a conversation people want to sing along to their jimmy buffett or whatever y- it is yeah 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 and um so but i think to an artist yeah. you know especially like what we were talking about somebody that like speaks from the heart and, yeah. and does something because it like it's getting them over something right um right which a lot of people out there might really relate to but to the average person coming out to dinner, it might not really strike a chord with them at that moment. Maybe yeah. it would if they got used to them, heard the songs, saw a video, whatever it may be. Yeah. But um, I think that can kind of yeah. kill your spirit a little bit. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know I've, what I mean. I've, so I've, I, I've, I've played open mics where, and it's weird. Sometimes like there'll be a song that I'm like, oh yeah, this one's gonna get them, and like this one's really well written. I've got this down, and then I play it, and it gets crickets. And then I'll play another one that is like probably one, maybe not one of my favorites. And I'll get some people coming up to the front and being like, oh, yeah, that's. And I was telling him this, you can't choose your listeners. You can't sit there and say, well, I want these people are going to like this. You've got to throw it out there and then people attach themselves to it. You know, I think that's sometimes like, just like you said, it's like, man, people should like this song. And like, you know. Right. And then I play it and there's crickets. Then you go to the next place and they they liked it. And you're like, what was the difference between one audience and the other? Yeah. Yeah, you People can't it's, you can't identify. control it, yeah. and it's almost like you got to almost realize that letting go of that, you know, need to control it is probably the best way to go because then you can just put yourself in the moment and really like perform the hell out of your songs and yeah. who. The people, the people who come will come, and the people who don't won't, and just kind of like let it roll off your back. And this all ties back to what Justin said when we were we were talking about this yesterday. Um, that. It sucks. We're almost running out of time. Yeah, no. Or we, we should maybe we should out. do a part two or something like we that. We really need to yeah. because we're like we're doing the Eddie Aranda timeline and we're like <laughs> we're like not even there yet. But um, I like where we spun off to. Like with what you said the other day, it's kind of like this realization. Like okay, not everybody's gonna obsess over everything I do, or maybe this song's not meant to be a hit, but it served its purpose getting me through that time I was in. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. It, it sounds it, like that. It has kind of, it has intrinsic value for the service it performed for the artist. And if nothing else, like what you went through at that farmhouse in Meadville. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, it just because those eleven, ten, eleven songs like aren't something that you might be utilizing today. Right. Like they served a purpose and like getting you out of that house. Oh yeah. Meeting your wife. Absolutely. To where you are today. Yeah. There's, and, there's, I look back that and that's exactly it. I look back on them and they're such an integral part of my life and who I am now. And even though, even though they're just sitting there in a back catalog, like you had to get you know, that shit out. Yeah. And every so often I, I, I have some like early recordings of some of those songs on my phone and, and other ideas, uh, pieces of songs that I've recorded that um, I never built into anything. I didn't didn't finish. I'll pull those out of my phone sometimes and I'll listen to like the old audio notes and I'll be like, yeah, this is like this little 30 second clip is really important to me 
because it represents it was it was a tool I used to like get through a certain time in my life. I was gonna say it's self it's it's self therapy for artists. I mean, whether you're painting, yep. or doing it, or getting your you know getting getting it out that way, or writing songs. I mean, that's something that artists I think sometimes we sometimes take advantage of or don't realize that we have the ability to kind of get ourselves through things sometimes yep. with you know sometimes with uh, writing you know writing material and and, uh, and getting our uh, our ideas and our our um, concerns like out and then. When you see somebody else, like, oh, I like that song you did, you know? Yeah. It does create, like, a bond. It reinforces in you, like, man, that song really did mean, you know, yeah, like, it yeah. meant something to me and this person. Well, it's, and it's, 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 it's communicating something that you just is beyond, like, what you can in just a conversation. And it's like, yeah, oh, absolutely. this now, you, you, now I, I heard that song. I feel how that person felt, not just, like, them explaining to me how they felt, you know? You know, it's really badass, too. Um, we do, me and Justin got a show. Where is it at again? Uh, tonight? Yeah. <laughs> Save it. Not that we're going to be advertising. Nobody's going to hear this till after the fact. But <laughs> Yeah. But, so, so come on out to uh, La Tavola. We won't, it, uh, we won't have been there. You know? <laughs> right. By the time you hear this, we've already been there. And, uh... um, but anyway, we, we're running late. We got to get to this show. Uh, I feel like we could go on for like another two hours. Yeah, we got uh, that that hour just flew by. But you know what yeah. the cool thing is, is um, I, me and you can do mm. some more of this. We can do it over the phone. Oh yeah, we you can know, do. I'm like, have, all uh, you, yeah, there's ways to do it. Do it over the the Skype. Or the, yeah, we could. Be, we'll <laughs> figure out a way where we can use the nice mics and and we'll make it happen. Yeah, man. Would you be down to do that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, you're super insight. You're super insightful. Um, you just. Are, really awesome creative person um you still work you work for a pretty major company in new york city now right yeah so i work for uh an e-commerce company now um it's uh that uh, to explain what we do would be like another half hour so I'm just yeah yeah like, well, what i'm but, saying but, is but i yeah, want to yeah. get into this yeah for sure yeah i work for um uh e-commerce company i'm an art director there and uh pretty much in charge of like all the visual stuff that comes like marketing the website um so basically you're killing it at what you do it's uh yeah i'm, <laughs> Without I'm doing putting you on the spot to brag <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm doing all right i think um this and we can get into more of this next time but what i'm doing now the role i'm in now is is challenging it's like probably been one of the most challenging roles of my career so far and uh i mean who am i kidding it's like my second role so it's like i i tend to be more the type of guy who like you know goes into goes into a role at a job and like really wants to see it through there are some people who kind of jump around and do like all right i'll do a year and a half here a year and a half there like i'm all about like i want to see the full circle on what i'm working on so your like, company man well i mean that might have some negative connotations in terms of like <laughs> i didn't mean it like that yeah yeah no I, I but but i think like for me it's always like i i want to rise to the occasion and like you know see something through to the end and for me it's like where i'm at now i'm like we're not there yet and i want to yeah. get i want to get there wherever there is um so i'm like it's it's been challenging but it's also been rewarding in a lot of ways so yeah amazing so yeah this is the first time um i've seen eddie in several years um it's been amazing to see you we show up you got a beautiful house here you got a beautiful family Oh, thanks. Beautiful car. It's a <laughs> fairly solid whip. I'm not kidding. Uh, I meant a, what I said. It's an asshole car. But um, <laughs> you're one of those people that 
it, it doesn't matter if it's been six months or, or four years or we're right yeah. where we left off. Oh yeah. And yeah. I've got only a few friends like that. We could yeah, I mean we, we could go we could go months without talking and then like, you know, some stupid Facebook comment comes up or like you text me and like we're right back on it, you know? <laughs> or hey Eddie, will you do some uh, pro bono work for me? Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, so that website is uh we're we're ranked pretty low in the Google standings. <laughs> Anytime I do any like art for myself or CD stuff, and I like just want somebody to say yay yeah. or nay, I'll toss it to you. Yeah, you, you yeah, just no, like I that appreciate dude in my that. life. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a, <laughs> a lot of mutual respect there, so I appreciate it. But I love you to death. Um, thanks, just, Justin, for help uh, co-hosting on this. I'm glad we. Uh, I'm glad we were able to do it in the tour. The podcast tour um at this you know so far has been pretty. This has been a highlight for awesome. me. Yeah, I and uh, it was good to meet you too. Eddie. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, sure. I'm sure we'll yeah, do the next, you know, do another segment for people to listen in and find out more about what you do and uh, what's going on here in Long Island, right? Hell yeah. Love Sounds you, man. Good. Thanks for listening. Y'all. All right. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 